Filters on the left side for Judge, and here's the 3-1. Drill deep to left field. There it goes. Number 60. Slide over, babe. You've got some company. Aaron James Judge has tied George Herman Babe Ruth with 60 home runs. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we witnessed history last night. Aaron Judge hit his 60th home run of the season. Something that hasn't been done since 2001 when Barry Bonds did it, when he hit 73 in a season. And it hasn't been done clean since 1961 when Roger Maris hit 61 home runs. Aaron Judge is one home run away from tying the American League record in home runs in a single season. That's in, and guess how many games are left? There's 15 games left. One more game with the Pirates. Two more home. Two more home stands. You have one more series with the Red Sox, and one more series with the Orioles at home. You have Toronto to deal with, and then you got the Rangers. Crazy stuff, folks. The season's almost over, and Aaron Judge currently leads the American League in batting average, home runs, and RBIs, and pretty much every other statistical category in the offensive side of the bat besides I think it's hits and stolen bases Judge don't, I don't, he might get hits not stolen bases though. he might get the hits though that's crazy where are my manners welcome back to Nick's World of Sports my name's Nick Sapola. thank you for tuning in as always we're on episode 22 now we're back in the studio we're back in studio 38 today we haven't been in the studio for a little while. I've been dealing with some illness. Also, I'm not living near Studio 38 currently. I'm up at my team house. It's school time. We're back at school. We're on that grind, baby. Anyway, here we are. We're recording again. I'm really excited for this very next episode because we have some football to talk about, and we also got to talk history. The Mets clinched for... The playoffs is the first time they've clinched a playoff spot in a while. They're looking to win the division. They had a big, big win last night as well against Milwaukee. A dramatic come-from-behind win. Scherzer was perfect through six innings to start previous to this one. And Carrasco didn't have a great game. But the Mets rallied, and they came back on two home runs. Two big home runs from two of their best guys. Yankees, similar story. Harrison Bader makes his debut, makes an immediate impact. Clay Holmes blows the game. Everyone thinks it's over. Judge hits number 60. Giancarlo Stanton gets his redemption and literally hits a ball 6 million miles per hour into the right field seats, or left field seats, excuse me. And Yankees win 9-8 to on a walk-off grand slam from Stanton. The script's there, man. The Hollywood writing, the World Series is back on for both New York teams. I think the Yankees more so, the World Series is back on after a dramatic win like that. It has to be. I think we're going to start with some baseball today just because it's fresh on the mind. It's been on the mind a little bit more just because of the history that was made last night. And we're going to talk Yankees first. And we have to talk Yankees first. Last time I was on here, I was freaking out about Aaron Hicks still getting playing time. The Yankees today had no choice but to bench Aaron Hicks. And I'm happy about it. Harrison Bader is back or has made it to the Yankees. The Bronxville kid is home 
it's it was good to see Bader in center field last night. I think he looked very good out there. He brings a lot of good defense to the team. He and everyone said like don't be surprised if he does some offense stuff like, or be surprised if he does some offensive stuff. He's not a, as good of an offensive player as people say he is, but or he's not a great offensive player, but what was he 2 for 4 yesterday with 3 RBIs? That's pretty damn good. He knew his role with men on th- men on base, infield up. He just hit the ball on the ground, put it in play, good things happen. He got one by the third baseman for a hit, and he got one by between the hole between second and first for a hit. Multiple three RBIs. Basically, the score at one point was Bader 3, Pirates 2 or something, or Bader 4, Pirates 2 or something like that. He had a big game. First game, usually a lot of guys don't have a great debut. This was as good of a debut as Stanton in Toronto a couple of years, back into 2017 or 2018. 2018. He had the, it was the most RBIs since the Stanton debut, where Stanton hit two homers. Like This is impressive stuff. I'm really happy that the Yankees are starting to get healthier and healthier. Tonight, the Yankees get back Luis Severino, the former Cy Young vote getter. I think he was third in Cy Young voting or fourth in Cy Young voting one year, and I think maybe top three another year. Like He's got good stuff. He looked good this year before getting hurt. He's back. They rested him for a long time, too. He could have been back weeks ago, but they get him back tonight for a quick little you know, push to – claim the division the magic number for the Yankees is 10 right now to clinch the division I think playoffs it's down to three or four uh, don't quote me on that one I think it's in the single digits for playoffs the playoffs are pretty much all but wrapped up for the Yanks they go for win number 90 I believe tonight as they get to face Pittsburgh again hopefully it won't be much of a game there's not a lot of negative to talk about right now at the Yankees especially after last night's game they the only negative I can think of right now is the bullpen. I mean, Marinaccio's kind of struggling a little bit, but he's he'll find it. He'll find it for short. Um, my other little minuscule minor complaint is Clay Holmes has looked terrible for a few weeks now. He just didn't have it last night. He had nothing. Nothing that inspired confidence. I think it's time to move Clay out of the closer role. Chapman looked good last night. But not great. I think Chapman might be someone they might rely on in the ninth inning come playoff time. But the big question a lot of Yankee fans are having right now, who is the closer come playoff time? There's no Michael King. Clay Holmes is an option, but we don't know with his recent struggles. People are saying Chapman. I myself, I'm going to go with the wild card, and I'm going to keep it real. This was my pick for the closer role coming into the season. Jonathan Loisica will be the closer for the New York Yankees come playoff time. Call me crazy. Some people are like, oh, why don't we give it to Efros? He closed a few games. Why not Trevino? Why not Abreu? Abreu, if, if anyone actually out there thinks Abreu is going to be closing, shut the fuck up. Go find God. Leave. Leave now. You do not know what you're talking about, bro. Please go find God. I don't know the people out there that might say Abreu. I'm sorry, but that's just not how we roll here at Next World of Sports. Albert Abreu is trash. He is on my shit list. I should not, now that I say that out loud. I should do that. I should do a New York sports shit list at the end of the year. That'd be a cool end of the year episode. Anyways, all right. I'm getting I'm getting sidetracked now. 
I think Loisica has earned it, personally, to be the closer of the New York Yankees come playoff time. He's been lights out for the Yankees all season since he's returned from the I.L., I should say. He was someone who was, I believe, he led all relievers in war last year. He's got the stuff to be an electric closer, too. Can 100 mile an hour, 102 mile, up to 101 mile an hour sinkers, 92 mile an hour curveballs. Disgust. Every pitch he throws out of his hand looks disgusting. Like the Nicaraguan nightmare, Johnny Lasagna is personally, that's my closer. That is my closer next year, too. I love Clay Holmes. Don't get me wrong. And when he's right, he's unhittable, Clay Holmes. I just think he's more of an eighth inning guy or seventh inning, eighth inning guy. He's a matchup guy. I think the ninth inning's starting to eat at Clay Holmes. He's starting to feel a little pressure with it. Not every night he should be in there in the ninth. And it's a hard role. Not everyone's Mariano Rivera. Not everyone can be Prime K-Rod. Not everyone can be Troy Percival, Trevor Hoffman, Billy Wagner even. like Not a lot of guys can be that ice-cold guy in the ninth inning. Especially at the clip of Rivera. No one could ever be as dominant as Mariano Rivera. Replacing him is like trying to replace... It's like trying to replace Tom Brady. Or it's like trying to replace... You know, like, say whoever the, you think the greatest president in the United States history is. or I'm trying to think one more good inference right now. It's like it's trying to replace... Ah, I got nothing. I was going to do a movie reference, but I guess it's trying to make uh, take Marlon Brando out of the original Godfather or Al Pacino out of the Godfather. It's, like, pretty damn hard. Like, you can't replace a Rivera. You can't replace any of these guys. It's just, that's my only problem with the Yankees moving forward. I'm a little nervous. The lineup is getting stronger and stronger every day. Aaron Judge speaks for himself. Giancarlo looks like he's figured it out. I think Rizzo's going to be great. We get some pieces back. Bader in center is going to be nice to have. Cabrera starting to swing the bat really well. And he's he is Timothy Chalamet. Oswaldo Cabrera. He plays any position. He plays it well. He looked good in left field last night, too, by the way. Made a great catch at the wall. I think that, you know, the only other spot maybe that I'm worried about is Kiner Falefa and Trevino, but they're going to be at the bottom of the order. I would love to see Peraza get some postseason at bats, but Boone is still reluctant to give him any at bats for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it must be a like a little trust thing he has of Kiner Falefa because he's been here all year, or like a Oh, we want you to do a Jeter role, which I'm still sick and tired of this whole, oh, Derek Jeter didn't play in 95 in the postseason. Derek Jeter just came up and watched all the at-bats. Like, I don't fucking care. Like, I, I don't know if he is Jeter or not, but he might be. He might be the next Jeter. I don't know. Probably not, just because Volpe's being dubbed the next Jeter. Peraz is going to be very good, though. I really like Oswaldo. Not Oswaldo Cabrera. I do like Oswaldo Cabrera a lot, but Oswaldo Peraza, I really like his game. I like what I saw from him in a small sample size this year when he's played. And I'm not sitting here just shitting on Kyner Falefa, who has picked up his play a bit. He's been playing pretty well as of recent. The errors are cutting down. I'm going to knock on wood real quick because, you know, I don't want to say something like that, and he just goes out and makes two errors tonight. I think Peraza's earned a chance to play, and they're playing a crappy team right now in Pittsburgh. Play the man, Boone. Jesus. I don't know. Besides that, I I, I want to sit for a minute too. 
and talk about the history that's going to be made this week. Aaron Judge is going to hit his 61st and 62nd home runs in this homestand this week where they finish out against Boston before they go on the road and play Toronto. Aaron Judge is going to hit his 61st home run either tonight or tomorrow, and he's going to hit 62 Friday night. That is my bold prediction right now. I had a dream last Friday, no offense to Martin Luther King, that I was sitting in the outfield and I caught Aaron Judge's 62nd home run on a Friday night in the Bronx. Why do I mention this to you? I have tickets to Friday night's game. We're in the process of getting more. I'm going to be sitting in left field, probably near the bleachers or in the bleachers. Still determining it. I'm going to have tickets for Friday. I'm going to catch number 62. I will catch Aaron Judge's 62nd home run. I'm going to do it. If I see Zach Hampel in the stands, I'm running his fade right there. I'm not letting some 45-year-old asshole who steals balls from children catch Aaron Judge's 62nd home run. It's not going to happen. I'm catching Aaron Judge's 62nd home run. You could do whatever you want with that. You could do whatever you want. I already got memed earlier this week by saying Jacksonville wasn't even going to come close to covering the spread and Jacksonville beat the fuck out of the Colts. Do whatever you want with that statement. You can think I'm making making it up or not. But come Friday, if and when Aaron Judge is looking to hit his 60-second home run or he hasn't done it yet and he's getting close, I'm going to be waiting with my glove in left field for Aaron Judge to hit a home run. I did all my after that dream. I did all my homework. I've been studying exactly where his spray charts are showing his Yankee Stadium home runs this year, average exit velocities, launch angles. I've been looking at the average distance of the home runs. What sections does he hit the most home runs to? Types of like splits during night games, all that stuff. I'm gonna catch the damn home run ball. Now, why do I want to catch it? I don't want it like obviously catch it and pull a whole thing like it's worth two and a half million dollars no i want to catch it just because it came to me in a dream i'm someone too i didn't get to go to Derek jeter's last game i had to get rid of the tickets i didn't get i was a game away from going to jeter's 3000 pit i was a game away i had the tickets the next day and dude went five for five so close to seeing 3000 never got to see it a little upset. A couple of my buddies went to uh, a couple of my friends from high school and elementary school. So I've known them since I was little, little. Since little Nick was running around watching baseball then still. <laughs> Jesus. And I probably was chewing their ears off about baseball and football and all that stuff. And they had no idea. Two of my buddies went to the Yankee game last night and witnessed history. One of them I immediately called after the game and said, dude, fuck you. That was the best game of the season, or one of the best games of the season. I still think the game I went to was the best game of the year when they beat Houston, when they were down three in the ninth. And of all goddamn people, Aaron Hicks hits a three-run bomb. And then Judge walked it off. That was cool. I think that was one of the better games, though. That was probably a top-five game of the regular season. That was awesome. Awesome, awesome baseball.
I'm standing by my prediction, though. Aaron Judge will hit his 60-second home run on Friday against the Red Sox, and I'm going to catch it. I don't care what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my body on the line. I will dive after it. I will lay on top of it. I saw a video today of some kid, of the college kids who got the ball, like in the bleachers when it bounced up and landed up there. That one kid got mauled, it looked like. He was underneath a big scrum. It looked like an NFL pile. I will do whatever it takes to catch that ball. I'll do whatever. If he hits 61 tonight, I'm fucked. I'm fucked, kind of. Because if tomorrow's going to be 62, then on the pace he's going, because he's hitting a home run every damn game, it seems like. But if he hits one tonight, and that's 61, ties Maris, I'm going to be sitting around waiting for 62. I'm going to be scared to death. Like... If he hit, I'm gonna be watching Thursday then on edge. I'd rather him do it Thursday night and then Friday night. That'd be cool. But again, it's all speculation at the end of the day. It came to me in a dream, and I have a dream that I'll catch it. That'd be like the greatest moment ever. Imagine the attention I'd get on the podcast for it from Yankees universe. The attention would be cool. I think all I'd ask for in return is just, you know, to meet the guy, give him the ball back, and get a picture. And to DFA Aaron Hicks, of course, but who's going to listen to that? I don't think Brian Cashman's going to be too happy when I say DFA Aaron Hicks. Or maybe Fire Boone, but then I don't know if I can do that one. Man, I can dream, can I? Is it illegal for me to make a dream? Or have a dream? And it's not illegal for me to make my dreams come true. We'll see what happens. Let's, uh... I'm not going to talk too much about the Milwaukee series because we kind of did touch on that already. I think we touched on that on Monday. We're going to talk the Mets real quick. I know I've been giving them a lot of hate, but last night, last two nights, we're big for the Mets. They clinched the playoff spot. One of the first teams to do it. They're up to 95 wins now or 94 or whatever it is. This is one of the best seasons the Mets have had in a long, 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 long time in my opinion. Just the way they've been losing, it feels even long. Like, 2015 feels like it was in 1969 or 1986. They haven't won since 86. I still think they won't. They won't win this year, but they got that playoff spot clinched and out of the way. They don't have to worry about missing the playoffs now. They don't have to worry about Philly catching them if the Braves knock them out of the division lead. They don't have to worry. They're set. The Mets are control their own destiny at this point they have a big series coming up against Atlanta I think it lines up right now that DeGrom and Scherzer will start two of those games but keep in mind Atlanta beat DeGrom and Scherzer this year they've beaten them that Atlanta team's probably one of the best lineups on paper that's a good ass team they go to Milwaukee last night though and take care of business for the second day in a row Mets immediately go down 3 nothing thanks to Carlos Cookie Carrasco serving up cookies. An interesting tweet I saw from Anthony DeComo showed how bad Carrasco really has been against 500 and above teams this year. Like Sometimes people are saying, oh, the Yankee schedule is easy, this, that. Carlos Carrasco is benefiting from pitching against bad teams. He And I agree. Every time I seem to turn on the Met games when Carrasco's pitching, he pitches like shit or he doesn't pitch well. Because when they play good teams, I'm tuning in 90% of the time, and he just looks terrible. 
Alonzo has been on fire recently, though. Alonzo hits a big three-run homer. That was much needed. Much needed. Alonzo, big home run for him. He's been on fire recently. He's been hitting a home run, it seems like, every night. Sucks he probably won't get up to 50 or 60 this year, but he's hitting the ball well. And this is a guy early in the year everyone thought was going to be National League MVP. At least the Mets fans wouldn't shut up about him being National League MVP. Speaking of another guy in the National League, a lot of Mets fans think should be an MVP. Francisco Lindor hits a grand slam to take the lead late in the game. That is huge. That was huge. That was an awesome, awesome way to end that game. That was an awesome way to end that game. Two Yank, two New York players had big, dramatic grand slams. One I still, I mean, a little biased here. I think the John Carlo one was way more dramatic than the uh, the Lindor one. But the Lindor one, nevertheless, in a heated division race, is still huge, huge at this point in the year. Makes it, I think, seven to three or seven to four at that stage. Mets won seven to five last night. Edwin Diaz comes in. Nails down to save. Mets fans rejoice. But Atlanta still wins, I believe. Atlanta's still winning. And they're hot on your tail. You got to win. You have to win every game as a Mets. The playoff, there's a little bit of a weight lifted off your shoulders because you already clinched the playoffs. But you want that first round by. You do not want to get stuck in that wild card crapshoot. You don't want to be stuck in that kind of crapshoot if you're a Mets fan. Because trust me, the wild card round, that is going to be a big fuck you to whatever ranking you have. Because you could run into a team that's super talented but struggling right now, like the Padres, and get absolutely stomped out of the gym or stomped out of the club. Like You could go 0-2 against them when they, ha- when they bring out Musgrove and Darvish, and then let's say Soto figures it out. Machado's been playing at an MVP level. Let's say they just figure it out. That Padres team, by the way, they're struggling hardcore. They're, I don't get it. Soto's been terrible since the trade. He's still walking and getting on base, but at the bat, like you expect more. He's hitting like 220. I think it was his last few games he was hitting like 110. Like he's been horrible. I don't get it. I, I don't know. Maybe it was the scenery change. Some, something about it. He's going to figure it out, though. I'm not worried about Juan Soto. Not, no buyer's remorse yet if you're the Padres. But like a team like a Padres, that's an awkward matchup if you're, let's say, the Mets and you don't make the uh, the first round. you got to play Philly. Philly's a bit of an awkward matchup, too. they got two stud pitchers in Nola and, and Wheeler. And Kyle Schwarber literally hits bombs. You're going to have Bryce Harper back. Nick Castellanos will be back, too. Reese Hoskins, Alec Bohm, JT Real Muto. That's a good team. That's an underrated team, too, that Philly's got there. So they can hold on as well. I mean, Atlanta... Would be a little scared, too, if they're a wild card. Both teams want to win a division so they can have that bye. And they're going to have to play the division winner in the Central, which I don't think they're too scared of. Milwaukee or St. Louis. Maybe St. Louis a little more because they have two of the MVP frontrunners on their team. And they have the Albert Pujols magic. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Pujols, he's going for his 700th by the end of the year. Or the end of this season. I'm going to put a personal PSA and a personal hit out on anyone named Zach Hample. If you are a fan, make sure Zach Hample does not catch either Aaron Judge's 62nd, Aaron Judge's last home run of the regular season for the total it'll be, 
and Albert Pujols' 700th, and Albert Pujols' final home run of his career. If you are a baseball fan, do anything you can to make sure Zach Hample does not catch that baseball. Zach Hample is currently an enemy of the podcast. I get what he does. like he's It's all for fun and stuff. But the way the guy treats kids sometimes, like just getting in the way of kids, running them over to catch a ball, or the way he was with the A-Rod 3,000th hit. Everyone remembers that one. Remember how much of a bitch he was when A-Rod's 3,000th hit was caught? When he caught the A-Rod 3,000th hit with the home run? He refused to give it back. He refused. Look, I get it. At the end of the day, you're a fan. You caught the ball. You can do whatever you want with it. But the way he complained about them wanting to give it back and the what he demanded for it back was stupid. If I ever caught Zach Hample lacking, it would be not fun for Zach Hample. I'd run up on him. I heard a thing from a friend, actually, the other day. Good friend of mine, friend of the podcast, Chase Carucci, good member of Start Spreading the News or the Spreading the News podcast. Big Yankees podcast, by the way. If you want to tune into them, they have a decent following. Go tune into them. They're cool. A couple of my buddies from high school and from base- that I played baseball with, they have their own little Yankees podcast. It's pretty cool. So give them a listen if you can. But he was telling me that he really does not like Zach Campbell. He ran into him at a game years ago and asked to be in the vlog, and he said no. That was probably like when he was a kid, too, because he's not much. He's like two or three years younger than me, Chase. And I thought that was interesting because he's someone like, I do it for the kids. I give the balls away to the kids. It's so cool. I do it all for the subscribers, the fans. No, he doesn't. He does it for his own personal vindictive gain. Fuck Zach Campbell. You are not welcome in one. You're not welcome at 161st Street in the Bronx. I mean, I don't. I'm not a season ticket holder, and I'm not necessarily a regular myself at 161st in the Bronx, at 161st. But you're not welcome there this time of year, bro. Let let an actual Yankee fan catch the damn ball. Same thing probably in, like, in St. Louis. You're probably not welcome in Bush. Even though they're very friendly at Bush. They're great fans at Bush Stadium and down in St. Louis. Awesome fans. I remember during the home, when the Yankees went to the homestand down there. Awesome people. Great fans down there. If you're a St. Louis Cardinal fan, give yourself a pat on the back. You guys are awesome fans. But I know they're not going to be very welcome into Zach Hample. Played it simple. He is public enemy number one right now in Major League Baseball. At least on the fan side. And I swear to God, I'm gonna do, the Twitterverse is going crazy. And some of the things I see I might actually be doing to try and get that ball. But enough baseball. We got to talk some football. We're going to go down the list of the games this week. And we're going to clown myself. Because... I got absolutely clowned this week. If you recall, I stated that I would cry if Indianapolis lost to Jacksonville. That's going to be the first game I'm going to talk about. Guess what? I did. They got shut out in Jacksonville. They can't win there. What the fuck? What the fuck is wrong with them? God. They suck. Look, I still have hope in Matt Ryan. I'm a Matt Ryan fan. 
I have Jonathan Taylor on my fantasy team. I also have Michael Pittman. I'm going to talk about Michael Pittman in a minute. I have a good fantasy story about Michael Pittman. But come on, dude. You couldn't even score a touchdown? What? What? Are you kidding me? Oh, man. Tough time to be a Jags fan. Not Jags. A Colts fan. My buddy Peyton, I send my condolences out to you because Sunday was a tough day. You watched the Yankees shit on the, your Brewers, and you watched, unfortunately, for, for both of us, in my opinion, the Colts get shut out by Jacksonville. Tough weekend to be Peyton Gleason in sports. All right, let's talk the rest of the games. Another game, I was talking crazy earlier this week about the Jets and the Browns. I was talking that the Browns would bounce them out of the gym, that they wouldn't cover the spread. I got to give a special shout-out to one of my buddies here, Brendan Murphy, great friend of the podcast, great friend of mine, big Yankee fan, big Jets guy. Great, great guy, by the way. Seems to be never be wrong about anything for some reason. I mean, he was right. He said... To me, I told, I think if you remember back to Monday's episode or the last episode I had, not Monday's, to Sunday or Saturday's episode where I said the Jets wouldn't cover six and a half, I think that you'd be crazy. And that Brendan said something, you heard someone say, you're not a true Jet fan unless you think they're at least covering. You're crazy to think that. You're telling me, you're crazy to think the Jets won't cover six and a half. I said, well, I think you're crazy for thinking they would cover. Guess what happened? The Jets did more than cover. They won. They won 31-30 to in Cleveland. Joe Flacco wanted, led in two awesome drives to come back and win. Joe Flacco turned the, back, the clock back to when he was in 2012 when he won that Super Bowl. He turned the clock back there. He looked awesome. Garrett Wilson sat him in fantasy in favor of Cordero Patterson this week. Garrett Wilson scores 30 on my bench. Thank God my team, besides that, went off. My team popped off this week in uh, one of my leagues. Actually, in two leagues. I won I won two out of three leagues this week. I'll talk, too, about that at the end of this little conversation. But Brendan Murphy seemed to have a beat on this. I might have to make him come in and be my regular sports gambling picks guy at the end of episodes. Give me his favorite pick of the week. Maybe I'll have to do that. Maybe I'll have to call him in. Jesus. I know, Brendan Murphy, if you're listening... Do you accept that offer I just made? Come in, make a couple picks, leave. I don't know. It's up to you, though. Man, that was that had to be the prediction of the week that Brendan Murphy had there. He had a beat on it. I still can't believe this. The Jets look good. actually looked good. They looked good offensively, at least. Damn. Things to note, though, I guess on the Cleveland side, my boy Amari Cooper had a touchdown. That was awesome to see when I watched that on Red Zone and live. Kind of cried a tear of joy, shed a tear of joy, because Amari Cooper is my boy, one of my favorite Cowboys ever. Coop, you, you, we miss you down in Dallas, bro. I miss seeing you in the uh, the white and blue with the blue star on the, hel- on the silver helmet, bro. Come home. Come home. We miss you. Fuck Jerry Jones for letting you walk or for trading you. 
Nick Chubb had an awesome performance himself. He had three rushing touchdowns in this one. Nick Chubb wanted to win this game. The Browns' defense did not want to win this game. The Jets wanted it more, plain and simple. Go on to Commanders and Lions. This was a pick I had right. My buddy Mahmood. Brutal. Brutal loss, Washington. I played Mahmood in fantasy this week, too, so we'll see what happens. That might be a that might be a tough one for your boy. As I said, we'll talk about that later. Carson Wentz had a garbage time touchdown pass to get his touchdown uh, conversions up to three. Threw a pick. Got outplayed by Jared Goff. There's a reason Jared Goff went number one over him, I guess. Jared Goff threw for 256 yards, which was less than Wentz's 337. Four touchdown passes for Jared Goff. Amon Ross St. Brown, the beneficiary of two of them, 116 yards and two tutties. Curtis Samuel for Washington had a nice game. Seven for 78 and a tutty. My most frustrating fantasy player of all time, Antonio Gibson, had a rushing touchdown as well. That was a kind of a closer game than we thought, 27 to 36. Aiden Hutchinson had a really nice game defensively. I think he had a couple of sacks of Wentz. If I don't remember the number, it might be two or three. Awesome, awesome to see. Dan Campbell got the most out of this team, it looks like. This team looks ready to be not in contention for a playoff spot necessarily, but they look ready to take the next step and start winning some games in this rebuild. Buck Saints was personally my living hell come to life. That game was hard to watch. The Saints kept tripping over themselves. Tom Brady looked terrible. This is a Bucks team that looked terrible today. They looked very vulnerable and beatable, this team. This Bucks team looks beatable. Very beatable. And famous Jameis couldn't stop getting in the way of himself. Touchdown pass he did have to get like Mike Thomas. I have to come up with a different name than NFL Youngboy because George Pickens already is NFL Youngboy. So how about, uh, hmm, I don't know. He just looks like NBA Youngboy, Mike Thomas. That's the problem. He looks just like NBA Youngboy. I'll put a poll on Instagram or something maybe. I don't know. At Nick's World of Sports on the Instagram story, I'll have a poll up. You can go look through it and tell me what you think. I'll post it at some point tonight. Oh, boy. Brady did not have a great game either. He was 18 of 34 for 190 passing and only one passing touchdown. I think that was to. Yeah, it was Brashad Perryman. Wow. So the score is 20 to 30 final. We got to talk for a minute. This is where I'm going to get into a little bit of fantasy football. So in my 20 man league. My top wideout is Mike Evans. DeAndre Hopkins is suspended still. Mike Evans is a fucking dumbass. So I'm going to set the scene for you personally. I'm going to tell you how it went down from my perspective as a fan. And I'm pissed at Mike Evans. I'm not a hater of anyone. Not a hater. So... Marshawn Lattimore was talking a little shit. He was shoving around with Leonard Fournette in front of Tom Brady. There were three guys on the Bucks surrounding Marshawn Lattimore. Mike Evans is walking to the bench after this third down play. Third down, fail, failed third down conversion. It's football. I know they're going to be grabbing. They're going to be talking. Masculinity shit like that. I'm for it, obviously. I love football. I like the little shoving after plays, getting intense. B 
being into the game. It shows me you're engaged. Mike Evans from the sidelines. Saw it's Marshawn Lattimore shoving. Comes running out of nowhere. Like it's fucking... <sighs> That's a good inference. Like he's fucking, I don't know, Steve Austin seeing Vince McMahon in the ring just to fuck with him. Or, you know, it's like he saw the opposition. Like he saw a rival gang. Or like, uh, I'm thinking of one more good one, but I can't. I'll come back to it. Like he ran up on him like he just killed his father or something. And just jumps and blinds. I mean, we've seen it before, but he jumped. He was walking to the sidelines, turns to peek for a second, and just runs up on him and lays him the fuck out and jumped him. Like, what the fuck are you doing, Mike Evans? What are you doing? What are you doing, you freaking dumbass? Look, I know you and Marshawn Lattimore don't like each other, but you are walking to the sidelines. That's none of your business. He's not fighting Brady. He's there talking to Fournette, and there's three other dudes around him. And you come out of nowhere. that It was being taken care of, and you escalated it. And my big problem now for fantasy, my starting wide receiver this week, George Pickens, Simi Fajoko. That's all I have in a 20-man league. It's sweaty. I have no wideouts now. Mike Evans gets suspended a game. Suspended a game. That is terrible for not just my fantasy team, not just for... Mike Evans fans, for the Bucks, that is terrible. There's no Julio right now. Godwin's out. Who is Tom Brady going to throw the ball to? Look, I know Tom Brady's the GOAT and all that, but who is he throwing the ball to? He's got no one to throw to right now. Expect Cameron Brait to pick it up? No. Russell Gage? Please. Julio? He's already banged up. He probably won't play next week either. What the fuck? Mike Evans, that was the stupidest thing you could have done. The Bucks next week play Green Bay, too. At home. Mike Evans did appeal the suspension, and just as when we were about to get on the air, it came out that Mike Evans is suspended for one game, and it's going to be upheld against Green Bay. Mike Evans, this is something personal I'm going to say here. Just as an athlete, it's different if he was fighting Tom Brady himself. And I like that you stand up for your teammates and all. But that was a stupid thing to do. It's not you're on the field or it's not you're right there. You are on the goddamn sideline. Don't fucking do that. Look, maybe next time you go out on the field you do something then. But don't do it right then and there. Mike Evans literally does not care about the game of football when he plays against the Saints. He only cares about fighting with Marshawn Lattimore. I don't know. That's me. That's my personal thing. Mike Evans does deserve the suspension. I agree. Just because that kind of low-blow cheapiness does not belong in sports. I'm all for players getting each other's faces. Even the occasional fight, I'm for it. But if you're just going to do something cheap, like go after a guy who's already ganged up by three guys and just go after him, that's cheap. 1v1 the guy. Every time I see something about Mike Evans and... Marshawn Lattimore, it's always Mike Evans is being chippy or Mike Evans is doing something like he, I remember he did that same shit when Jameis, when he's talking shit to Jameis and it was just Jameis talking, which a little different, I guess. But like, come on, dude. Stop being a bitch. He's under your skin, Mike Evans. He's under your skin. 
don't let him live there rent-free. I get it. But let your play do the talking. You're elite for a reason. All right, I'm sick of talking about Mike Evans and the Bucks. Let's talk now. Panthers and Giants. Giants are 2-0. and Game-winning field goal from Graham Gano as time that game and with 3:34 left in the game. Baker and Danny Jones both didn't really inspire much. Saquon had a better game. A lot of field goal kicking. Hey, Giants play the Cowboys this week, so for, I think that's a test for them because they're not playing mid. Eh, yeah, I guess I could say mid now because the Titans are mid. I don't know. We'll see. Dolphins and Ravens we're going to talk about next. By the way, too, I'll tell you the games I was wrong about right now. I was wrong about Jets and the Browns. I was wrong about Bucks and the Saints. And I was wrong about Panthers and Giants. So right now I am 0-3 or 1-3. I did get Patriots-Steelers right. I got the score wrong. I said 17-10. It was 17-14. I did pick New England to win the game, so I was right about the pick. I don't remember if I got the spread right or not in this one. I don't think I did. Mac Jones looked better. This was an ugly, ugly game. This was such an ugly game. I can't get over it. Nelson Aguilar mossed the hell out of someone on the Steelers. The Steelers are frauds, plain and simple. All right, we just got a breaking news tweet from Anthony DeComo. I'm just going to put it out there for Met fans real quick. Marte is, Starling Marte is... Hoping to throw again as soon as today. And he's optimistic he can return for the Mets' critical three-game series in Atlanta next weekend. That, all right, that's all I'll touch about baseball. Back to football. Okay. So, yeah, this game with New England and Pittsburgh was just a battle of bruh, battle of mid, battle of oh, hell nah. I don't know. I just, like... I don't think both those teams are going to be anything. I'm sorry. That was just a terrible game. Ugly game to watch. Colton Jags we touched on. Dolphins and Ravens had an all-time game over the weekend. This is a game I would have rather have seen on Monday night. Two young, exciting young quarterbacks. Highly scrutinized, too, in some aspects. We have Lamar Jackson on his Aaron Judge arc. Taking a bet on himself. And Tua Tagovailoa. The somewhat, I'd say, not unproven, but overhated quarterback. With some of the best weapons in football right now. The Brennan boys are happy about this. Dolphins prevail 42-38. I believe I picked Miami to win this game too. Tua with an all-timer. 36 of 50, 469 passing yards, six touchdown passes to two interceptions. Interceptions are going to happen in a game where you're throwing 50 times. Lamar Jackson also had a great game. 21 of 29, 318 yards passing, three passing touchdowns, three really nice passing touchdowns too. One of them to Rashad Bateman, who was four receptions, 108 yards, and a tutty. Lamar also ran for 119 yards on nine carries and had a long touchdown run. Rushing yards for Miami, we're not going to get into that. It was just Raheem Mostert, 11 for 51. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, two touchdowns each. 
Hill with the better game of with 11 for 190 and two tutties. Jalen Waddle caught the game winner. He had 11 for 161 and two tutties. Both with long, long catches. Tyreek Hill had a 60-yard catch, 60-yard touchdown. Jalen Waddle had a 59-yard reception. This was awesome. Even Mike Kosicki got involved. Four for 41 and a tutty. And Kakraft? River Kakraft. Who? Two-yard touchdown catch. Good for you, Mr. Kakraft. I think I'm saying that wrong. Kakraft. That game went down to the wire. Tua led a huge, huge touchdown drive at the end. He was throwing the ball all over the field. He looked great. That's the Tua they drafted. Everyone right now, that's a Tua hater. I'm not a Tua hater. I've always defended Tua. Especially in Miami. I thought he was going to be the first good quarterback out of Alabama since Joe Namath. Or at least better than Joe Namath. I want apologies from all the Tua non-believers. Tua's MVP odds jumped to, I think, from like 5,000 to 1 or something to 30 to 1. Or something like that after last night's perform- after this weekend's performance. I want an apology from all the non-Tua ha- all the two non-Tua believers, the Tua haters. Unless you're a Dolphins fan, of course. But all the outsiders saying Tua is trash. I want your apology forms right now. The guy can play. Bald the fuck out. We hooping the big Ravens fans to get some airtime real quick here from me get some attention had a mental breakdown on tiktok and twitch probably the funniest thing i've ever seen bro was crying his eyes out cut up a tyreek hill jersey was stomping on it then sucked on his own toe stomping on it pause then he ripped a playstation controller in half he was crying his eyes out saying refs versus the the uh What's it called? The Ravens. It's kind of funny. If you haven't tuned in, tune into that. Go look it up. It's all over Instagram, Twitter. Probably somewhere on TikTok as well. Twitch, you can probably find the VOD for it. It's it's really funny. If you're someone who's into watching fan meltdowns, I'd say tune into the Wee Hoopin' VOD of him crying after that game. We're going to talk Falcons-Rams next. Falcons-Rams. Rams almost blew a 28-3 lead against Atlanta. This Atlanta team's a lot better than people are going to... This is a better 0-2 team than some teams that are 2-0. I really like this Atlanta team right now. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm high on them to win a lot of games. I did shit on them kind of early. But just like after I've seen early on, I like it. I like this Atlanta team. I like it a lot. Allen Robinson gets a little bit of redemption. He caught a touchdown pass from Matt Stafford. Got a lot more targets. Cooper Cup has another two-touchdown game. Matt Stafford has another game where I'm like, what the hell is wrong with this dude? With 272 yards on 27 to 36 passing with three touchdowns. Great game. Two picks. Not great. Marcus Mariota was 17 to 26. Not bad. 196 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, including the game-stealing one. He threw a terrible pass to end the game. Cordell Patterson had a weird game. He averaged 4.1 yards a carry, but only on 10 carries. Drake London continues to impress me. Eight receptions for 86 yards and a touchdown. I think Drake London's going to have an 1,100-yard year. He looks good. Drake London's the guy. Kyle Pitts has looked underwhelming through two games. Fantasy owners, hold on to him. Trust me. 
He'll get more touches as Drake London gets more attention. Texans and Broncos. This was a horrible, ugly game. Russ Wilson leads the Broncos to an ugly, ugly 16-9 win. I thought this game was going to be a blowout. I thought Texans 10 would have been a safe. The Texans cover that spread. I thought Texans given 10 or Texans needing to cover 10 was going to be hard to do, especially against Russ and the Broncos. But Russ just has not looked the same since he broke his finger last year. Bit nervous about Russ and the Broncos. Bit nervous right there. Not good. Not good. He only he was 14-31. That's less than half of his passes completed. For 219 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Davis Mills, 19-38, not good for 177 yards. It's, I watch a lot of this game, too. I'm just not a fan of what the Broncos have done. They have so many weapons. Also, what frustrated me, I'm a Javante Williams fantasy owner in one league, and I hate Javante Williams. And Russ Wilson missed him wide open in the end zone. Russ, Russ has not been cooking so far. Not been cooking. We're going to talk about one more all-timer, and then there's going to be th- three blowouts we're going to talk about to end the week. Or we're going to talk about two more all-timers, in my opinion. We're going to talk about a blowout. Actually, yeah. I'm going to talk two all-timers, Niners, and then the three blowouts. I'm going to start off with Bengals and the Cowboys. My Dallas Cowboys won a football game in 2022. How about them Cowboys, baby? No Dak, no problem. Cooper Rush might be Tom Brady. He might be Tom Brady. He's 2-0 in games started. In games that he started. He beat the Vikings in primetime last year on Sunday night. I remember, too. Great story about that. My buddy Andre. Shout out Mr. Janums, the homie, for real. Moved out recently of the team house. He's going to Columbia to be a PT, I believe. So shout out Andre, you're the homie for real. Dre, I remember, immediately after he found out Dak was ruled out of that game that Cooper Rush was starting, called his bookie and goes, yeah, I'm, I'm taking Minnesota Moneyline. Andre, you fool. Cooper Rush won the game on the final drive. Cooper Rush does it again. Comes out firing in the first quarter. Looked good all game, making good throws. He looks like a capable, dare I say a capable starter, but he looked good. Micah Parsons, defensively, that's a defensive player of the year you're looking at right there. Another two-sack game. Just was getting into the backfield with ease. Burning Lael Collins, who was saying, you do bodyguards in town. Look, I love Lael Collins, but... That line looked terrible. Bur- Joe Burrow currently is on pace to get sacked 111 times this season. Granted, it's only been two weeks. But it's affecting Burrow a bit. Jamar Chase talked a lot of shit, but it was not able to get it done against Trayvon Diggs. I think he only had 13 receiving yards against Trayvon Diggs. No touchdowns. Jay Chizzy could not get it done. The boys... Cooper Rush outplayed Burrow. Cooper Rush was 19-31 for 235 yards and a, t- a passing touchdown. Burrow was 24-36 for under 200 yards and a touchdown. Joe Mixon and Zeke Elliott had similar numbers. In rushing, it was 15-53 for 53 for Zeke, 19-57 for 57 for Mixon. Noah Brown was the Cowboys' top receiver with, not, with five receptions for 91 yards and a touchdown. Jesus Christ, I never thought I'd say that statement. T. Higgins was the top for the Bengals, 6-71 for 71 and a tutty. 
The Cowboys are here to stay, baby. The Cowboys are going to win the NFC East still if Cooper Rush can play like that. We play the Giants this week. I'm very confident in this team, at least defensively. That defensive unit is awesome. Diggs made a big play at the end of that game to make a Bengals drive stall out inside their own 20. Big tackle made on T. Higgins, I believe. Micah Parsons, dog. Dorrance Armstrong had two sacks. Leighton Vander Esch played well again. Demarcus Lawrence has been key in the run game. This team's good. Defensively. Offensively now. Let's see what Cooper Rush has left. I'm not getting too sold on. I'm calling him the next Brady or anything. I might say that for a joke or two, for a laugh here and there. But it is what it is. Next all-timer. Cardinals and Raiders. Damn. Kyler Murray proved me wrong. Double XP weekend in COD, and he wins a big, big game. Granted, it wasn't because of him. He forced the game in overtime, though. Made some big boy plays with his legs. Craziest two-point conversion ever scored, too. Go look at that one. Derek Carr didn't play bad by any means. They're in field goal range. They're just getting close to it. He throws a good ball to Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro then fumbles in overtime. It's picked up by Murphy, who scores a touchdown. He almost pulled it to Sean Jackson, too, by the way. He, let, he was in the process of throwing the ball as he crossed the goal line, but it was still in his possession as he, was, as he crossed the goal line. And it looked like on live he dropped it early and was celebrating. Also, one little bone I got to pick here with fans again. Who the fuck slapped Kyler Murray? If that was on purpose, you, you deserve to never, ever go to a game again. It's like the same guy who threw the bottle at Jimmy Haslam this weekend out in... Cleveland after the Garrett Wilson go-ahead touchdown. I saw the video of a fan throwing a bottle at Jimmy Haslam. Look, I'm not one who's necessarily saying don't throw shit at the field because, I mean, as a fan, fans are going to riot and revolt anyways. But don't throw a bottle at the owner and don't slap the players. That's that's bullshit. That's terrible. Come on now. Be better. Bullshit. Bullshit things. Alright. See, there's one more game I got to talk about. From the 1 o'clock slate, 1 to 4 o'clock slates, the early games, and then we'll talk about Sunday night football and the two Monday night games I was a monstrosity. Sunday night. Niners and Seahawks. Niners win this one easily. I was right about this. Kind of. Jimmy Garoppolo is once again the quarterback of the 49ers. Why am I not happy? Look, I know Trey Lance is terrible. I've hated on him since the jump. I always thought he was overrated. And I think Jimmy G deserves to be the starter. Jimmy G played well. He played really well. He's going to be a very rich man at the end of the year if he keeps playing like this because it's 250 for, 250K for every game he plays over 25% of the snaps, and every game he wins is an extra 100K. So he could be walking away from every game with $350,000. Some good money. Not chump change. Trey Lance suffered a pretty gruesome ankle injury early in this game on a rushing play. Kind of a freakish thing. He tried to get up, and I went right back down. Got an air cast on all that. It was sad. Look, I wanted Trey Lance to lose the starting job to Jimmy Garoppolo because I know Jimmy Garoppolo is a more capable quarterback, in my opinion. He's more experienced, more proven, has a better floor and a better – I don't know. Trey Lance's ceiling is kind of the roof, but – Trey Lance is overrated as hell, and I don't think he'll ever reach that potential because it's Trey Lance. I, I don't think he ever will. 
I think he's overrated. I don't think his ceiling's that high either, like people are saying. Like I just said, too. That's just sad to see that. He's a young kid. He broke his leg or his ankle. Had to get season-ending surgery on it. That's just brutal. Especially year he was expected to be the man. Although I didn't want him to be the man. I thought he. I still will stand by the fact that he's overrated. And he doesn't deserve to just get the starting job back. Especially if Jimmy G brings him back to the NFC Championship or takes him on a playoff run again. No way does he deserve the division title. Not division title. The, uh, the starting QB title. Sad day for Niners fans that like him, but Jimmy G looks good. I'm, I'm not worried. All right, last two games, I'm not going to talk much. Titans and Bills, not much to say there. Titans look terrible. Malik Willis gets in. Bills look great. If you have their defense in fantasy football, you are happy as hell like I am. Eagles and the Vikings. Eagles win 24-7. All of a sudden, the Eagles are top team in the power rankings. I think the Eagles are still extremely overrated. Kirk Cousins does terrible in primetime as usual. Kirk Cousins looks like freaking Brian Leaf in primetime. Kirk Cousins looks like Ryan Tannehill in the Dolphins in primetime. Kirk Cousins looks like Jay Cutler in primetime. That's how it is. This week coming up should be some good games. Some ones I'm going to highlight real quick. We'll talk. We'll have a preview episode later. Personally, my highlighted games of the week are obviously my Cowboys versus the Giants on Monday night, just because that's going to be a fun game for me. Packers-Bucks is going to be a good matchup. Rams-Cardinals is going to be a good one. And Lions and Vikings. Chiefs and Colts should be fun too, but Lions and Vikings. The Thursday game this week is the Pittsburgh Predators versus the Cleveland Predators. Two teams that have not great histories of players and quarterbacks. Two teams I'm not big fans of. I used to be a little bit of a Cleveland believer, but not anymore. Oh, boy. This is going to be fun. This is going to be a fun week of football, as usual. All right, everyone. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for me here. I'm back at Studio 38. I'm going to grab some lunch. I'm missing Wang Wednesday up at Stony Brook, so happy Wang Wednesday to all my Stony Brook fellow people. My all my Stony Brook students and the fellow stony brookers it's been real real fun to be back in the studio talking to my movo mic instead of using my xbox mic (laughs) i have a really high quality xbox mic that i talk into anyways this has been fun to be back in the studio and all that and i'm gonna keep it going my fan i have some fans i have a growing fan base now so shout out to everyone that listens if you want more from this if you want to Follow my Instagram. Stay up to date with me. I'll be posting Instagram stories for the rest of the week. Make sure to follow at Nick's World of Sports on Instagram. At N-I-C-K-S-W-O-R-L-D-O-F-S-P-O-R-T-S on Instagram. Make sure to follow my personal accounts. My Twitter, at Nick underscore Sapola. My Instagram, at Nick underscore Sapola. I don't know if I'm going to do the subscription thing anymore. I think I might just do donations from here on out like normal people do. But for now, currently, I have a subscription going. Five bucks a month. You'll get behind-the-scenes looks at all episodes. You'll get game picks. You'll get a lot. I'd love to thank everyone who's still here at this point in the episode. You guys are real ones. 
Shout out again to Brendan Murphy. Shout out to all my boys that I talk to weekly about sports, kind of keep the conversations going, giving me ideas for the show. It's all fun and games. Mike Evans, you're a pussy. I will catch Aaron Judge 60-second home run. That's all I got to say for today, everyone. Stay safe out there, and let's go New York teams.